Well, good morning. I'm not, there we go. Good morning, everybody. Happy Easter. So glad you're here this morning. Man, it's been a great morning already. Some of us were blessed to be able to come early and stay throughout some breakfast and some fellowship. And the rest of you, welcome. Glad you're able to join us. And just so excited to just worship Jesus Christ. Um, obviously, it's Easter, so we're going to do just some small things a little differently. And we normally have a time of greeting so we can get to know some of you folks. We're not going to do that this morning, but we're thrilled that you're here. If we don't know you, first time, welcome. Very glad you're here. And uh, if you guys that are normally here sitting next to somebody you don't know, please introduce yourself and welcome them to our, to our church family. Um, we also are going to have some baptisms this morning and some singing and just going to be a great time. So why don't you stand with me? I'm going to open us in prayer and then we're just going to worship the Lord today. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we're so thankful to be here today. I mean, Lord, this is the day where we celebrate your victory over death and over sin on our behalf. This is the day, Lord, where you walked out of a tomb because death could not hold you and to declare to the whole world that you alone are Savior. And Lord, there's so many things to praise you for, but our salvation and the hope that we have in Christ is the greatest reason to, pr to praise you today, and I pray that we will. Thank you, Lord, for every man and woman and boy and girl that's in this place today. Lord, have your way with us. Be exalted in our singing. Be exalted in our prayers. Be exalted by those who are following you in baptism today and declaring your name. And be exalted through the message, Lord. Just have your hand in everything that we do. And Lord God, we love you. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen.
reflected on this in the early service, where we've come from, dead in our trespasses and sins, but our Savior came and he rescued us.
seated. We're going to celebrate this King of Kings by observing some baptisms this morning. paper all right this is uh this is everett dugan he's got some things he wants to say Jesus, since I was old enough to understand the stories, my church, my parents, and people who have told their stories before their baptisms are how I learned about Jesus. I have heard the story about when Jesus told the fishermen to cast on the other side to catch more fish. They trusted him and caught a lot of fish. I have heard the story about some friends carrying another friend on a mattress and lowered him down through the roof to Jesus. Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. Now stand up and walk home with your mouth. And he did. Another one of my favorite stories is when God sent the ten plagues to Pharaoh. Pharaoh still wouldn't let God's people go. This didn't stop God from freeing his people. I love all the stories about God performing miracles. He is amazing and kind. I can't wait to be in heaven with him and walk with him. After I prayed to ask Jesus into my heart, I was filled with joy. Before Jesus, I did not care much about how other people feel. Now I can understand more how they feel, and I want to help bring them the joy that brings me. That's awesome. (laughs) All right, are you ready to be a disciple? All right. Everett, my brother, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All right, this is Samantha. There's us. You can if you're. All right. Today, I wanted to share a little bit about how my life was before God saved me and how God led me to Jesus. 
I became desperate to find something, someone, really anything to help me. I was battling stress, constant worry about a better future, anger for things I could not change about myself and others. I ended my days feeling defeated. The strength I once had and was very proud of was gone. I had constant guilt for my sins and not knowing how to be a better version of myself. I knew turning to Jesus was an option, and I started acknowledging signs that I know were there all along. I grew a little more curious each one I experienced after... Um, A brief conversation with a stranger at a restaurant one night, I decided to open my heart and life and let Jesus in. This stranger told me he could sense I was searching for something in my life. He uh, proceeded to come back to me just to tell me that he sensed it was Jesus. He was very nervous to tell me this as he did not know me. He ensured me that it was okay to let him into my life and he will help me. God did lead me to Jesus. That stranger was right. It was Jesus I desperately needed. He wasn't an option. He was the answer. I grew to love him more and more each day. And now that Jesus has saved me, experiencing him guiding me through my life has been peaceful. My new strength he gave me is amazing. But mostly the life I was searching for, he gave to me. And I will be forever thankful for that. And I will continue to cherish him every day and love him more and more. That's awesome. All right, this is Juliana Halavka. This is pretty amazing because I remember this girl when she was born. (laughs) Pretty special to me. Stand up on the bucket. All right, she has something that she has to say. John 3, 16, 17, and 18. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe in him is condemned already because he hasn't believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Juliana. You're you're not you're not condemned though, are you? No. Because you asked Jesus into your heart. Yes. All right. Are you ready to be His disciple? Yes. 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 Right. <laughs> Juliana, my sister, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.
This is Cody. <laughs> Hello, everyone. I'm Cody. I'm new to following my path with God. Uh, I'll just tell you a little bit about myself. Oh, sorry. Uh, I recently found sobriety. I have 169 days sober today. And thank you. Uh, through this sobriety, uh, I started doing more with my family. And my boys' grandma signed them up t- for upward basketball. And uh, I would come here for their practice and their games. And just the way I felt walking through these doors, it took a couple times to realize it. And what, with speaking to my counselor, he wanted me to start accepting feelings and noticing feelings. And I noticed every time I came through these doors, it, it did something to me. And every time I left, I felt a certain type of way. After a couple of times, I reached out to Denise and asked if we can join her for a Sunday service. And, of course, she said yes and was thrilled. And during that service, about halfway through, I knew that this was the path I needed. And for about a month before that, there were just certain little signs that were pulling me towards God. Like as Sam said, a stranger coming up to us in the middle of dinner and telling her that Jesus has a path for her and she needs to accept him and he, he will give her the answer. And, and it, it's just a remarkable feeling. And uh, I, that day I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior and I repented for my sins. And I know that I want to walk with him and be a disciple of him and spread his word. And, you know, I have my whole family here. After today, I'll have this whole family. Thank you. Cody, my brother, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Isn't that great? That was awesome. I was reading this morning in Philippians chapter 3. There's a really key verse. The Apostle Paul said, My goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. That's what I want for my life, to have goals like to know him. Let's go to prayer. Let's be thankful for all that God has done for us. He was raised from the dead, and he'll raise us again if we know him. Let's pray together. Father, we're so thankful for the resurrection of Christ. It was 13 full years ago that I, my first service was Easter here at this church. I'm just so happy to be a part of your family, Lord. Continue to build your church here in Casper. We're thankful. 
for the offering this morning. We're thankful for Pastor Mike, who will bring us a message from your word. Just give him the words to say. Thank you for those who were baptized this morning. What a great testimony that is. I just pray that you would continue to save souls just like that. We love you, Lord, and we just ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Manion, come forward, and we'll take the offering.
Hallelujah. Wow. Man, I love to see those baptisms, hear those testimonies. Man, sometimes I just kind of want to sit back there and just cry and just the joy of it all to see what God's doing in people's lives. He's so good. Man, if you don't know Christ here, if you're here and you don't know Christ this morning, I, I hope you'll pray. Lord Jesus, show me who you are. Show me your love. Show me your grace because it's too good to miss. He's too good to miss. Well, this morning I want to talk about some glorious conclusions out of the book of Romans this morning, Romans chapter 8. You know, when we, uh, we come to Easter each year, I mean, it's always an amazing time for me personally. I believe it's an amazing time for those that know Christ. It's kind of an amazing thing because, you know, Easter... And Christmas are usually the times when we have full houses in the church, you know, and and that should say something. Uh, There's something about, right, Christ's birth that we should pay attention to. There's something about Christ's death and resurrection that we should pay attention to, and it's true. Uh, I mean, you can pay attention to a lot of things. All of us pay attention to a lot of things, and they don't mean much. They might seem like it at the moment get some new trinket, get some new hobby, you know, get some new friend, new, new relationship, whatever that might be. And they, they seem good, and they are good in lots of ways. Sometimes they're not, but, but you know, they're not, they're not life-changing. I mean, not like eternally life-changing. Uh, when, you, when you talk about life, you know, there's so many big questions. Uh, there's huge questions. You know, is there a God? And quite honestly, that's not a hard question to answer. I know a lot of people say it is. It is not. It's easy to answer. It's easy to see. It's easy to know. We just can't be so stubborn we won't look. I'm sure there's nobody stubborn in here this morning besides me. I mean, big questions about, you know, what happens after death. You know, is there life after death? Is there meaning after death? All kinds of people try to answer that in different ways that they can't prove, by the way. But I can tell you I know there's life after death because of Jesus Christ. He died, rose again, and he proved it. Hundreds and hundreds of people saw him. Hundreds of people could testify that he was alive again. People would go and die for him again. I mean, there's all kinds of deep questions that we should be asking. And the truth of the matter is if you're not looking to Christ Jesus, if you're not looking to the Lord God Almighty, you might come up with some sort of conclusions, but they won't have any basis. They won't have any strength. They'll be based on man's opinions, man's desires, kind of man's wants to leave God out and somehow, you know, exist without God. But man, when you look to God, there's some powerful truths, life-changing truths. Man, I hope you know him this morning. Well, we're going to read Romans 8, beginning in verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? 
If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died. Yes, rather who was raised, who also, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Just as it is written, for your sake we're being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's pray. Lord God, you are the amazing one. You're the creator of heaven and earth and of every man and woman and boy and girl here today and in this world today. That's incredible. But not only that, Lord God, you're holy, you're righteous, you're good. You are truth. And Lord, you're our standard. And you've created us to have a relationship with you. And Lord, the only way we can come to you is through faith in Jesus, who has given his life on the cross to pay the price for our sins and rose from the dead to overcome death and sin. Thank you, Lord. You're the amazing one. I'm thankful for these men and women that are here this morning, boys and girls. I praise you, Lord, for the four that were baptized this morning. You're so good. You're good to us as children. You're good to us as adults. You're good to us. Thank you for the testimonies of what you've done in their lives. And Lord, I pray that you'd speak this morning through your word to draw the lost to salvation and to bless and encourage those of us that know you and walk with you. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So here we have this great, great book. I mean, the book of Romans is this, what, what, what people would call a systematic theology type thing. It takes you basically from what it means to be lost and why we're lost and separated from God to how to be saved and then how to walk with God after you're saved. It's a powerful book. But Romans chapter 8, man, it is, it's like this gem in this powerful book. It's so encouraging. It's so full of God's truth. And, and here at the last of Romans chapter 8 are some of the most encouraging verses that we're going to find in the whole, all of script, Scripture. And then there's these questions that he asks us in order to point us to these conclusions that we can make. And, and they're so good. Think about it. We'll just start in verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? Now, we want to ask ourselves, what things is he, is he talking about here? What shall we say to these things? In other words, how should we respond to the truths that we've found in the book of Romans so far? And I'm not going to take you through all the truths that are found in the book of Romans, but let me share a few. In Romans 1.18, it says, <clears throat> God's wrath is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates his own love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5.20 and 21 says, The law came in so that transgression would increase, but where sin increased, 
grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace would reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then finally, Romans chapter 8, verse 1 says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And those are just some, some brief glimpses of what God's taught us in the book of Romans, powerful truths in the book of Romans. And so then we come to our verse today, and it says, What then shall we say to these things? How should we respond? What's the conclusion to this truth about God's wrath is going to be poured out against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth? Because even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, the Bible says. So God's wrath is going to come against those that reject him and refuse to honor him as God. So what do we say about those things? What do we say to the things that says we're all sinners and have fall short of God's glory? I mean, what do we say to that? How do we respond to that? How do we respond to the fact that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus? What does that look like? How do we respond to that? And man, it's such a great question. How do we respond to that? And then God gives us the answer, and it's so good. Because it says in the last part of verse 31, if God is for us, who is against us? In other words, the conclusion is we should be thrilled by what God has taught us in the book of Romans. We should be thrilled to know that if God is for us, who could be against us? I mean, really, there are times in our life where we feel like maybe there's some individuals who are against us. Sometimes we feel like maybe our government is against us. I mean, who knows what we think? Sometimes we feel like there's all kinds of things, circumstances that are against us. But the Bible says if you realize what God has done for you, if you realize who Christ is for you, if you realize the depth of God's love for you, if you realize that you were a sinner and yet God loved you because he's love, then men, we should realize that nothing can overcome us. Now, how many of you really believe that? How many of you have ever thought about that? How many of you honestly are convinced that if you don't make yourself successful or safe, nobody else is going to do that? Because, man, if that's how you live your life, you would, you would really need to ask, do you know God? Do you know who he is by character do you know who he is by deed? Do you know who he is by knowledge? Do you know who he is by strength? Do you know who he is by love? Do you know him? Because the truth is, is if God is for us, no one can overcome us. It's not like people don't try sometimes. You ever, ever had somebody that seems like it's their job to bring you down, to destroy you, to discourage you, to tell you what a loser you are? Every now and then you get somebody like that in your life. What a gift. Man, you know, if you'll really think about Jesus, I mean, think about this today. We have a Savior he didn't say he cared about us and walked away. We have a God who didn't say, oh, I love you, but did nothing then in response to that love. We have a God who sent his son 
to die for our sins so that we could be forgiven and saved. And that's what he says in verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? You know, there's, there's so many things in the word of God that, that are meaningful to me, so many. I, I, I probably say sometimes this is like one of my favorite passages. Well, I have, I have a lot of them. But you want a verse that means something to me personally, something that I have to call to mind in my hard days, my dark days, my broken days, my needy days. How about that one? This one means a lot to me. He who did not spare his own son. We have a God that wasn't willing to hold back the most precious thing, his own son. He wasn't willing to hold him back, but he, he delivered him over for us all. He sacrificed him for us all. He sacrificed him. Like he said, these people can't save themselves. These people can't change themselves. These people are without hope and without help. And the only way that they're ever going to have a relationship with me is by me sending my son to die the death they deserved. And so he delivered him over for us all. And then, then he asks, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? So the great conclusion we come to with this first question is that God loves us so much that he spared nothing for our salvation. Meaning that whatever we need from that point forward after Christ, he's going to provide that for us. Now let me put my disclaimer in there. Don't walk out of here today and say, God, I need a million dollars. So fork it over. It's not like he doesn't have it. You just don't need it. But if you got a broken heart today, why would he not comfort your broken heart? He loves you. If you got some family struggles, why not ask him to help your family and give him the grace to heal and restore? Man, if you got sick loved ones, he's the healer. He can heal. Why not ask him to heal? If you're grieving, does he care for your grief? And he cares so much for us that he gave his son. He cares for us in our grief. And I could go on and on. Direction, strength, humility, compassion, wisdom, all kinds of things. I mean, if God is for us, who will be against us? And the answer is no one. And if you can't see that, as we think about Christ today, you're never going to see it. You're never going to see it. There's men and women probably right here in this room. They've made some sort of deal with God before they ever got in here. God, if you do this, 
I'll do that. And you've set your bounds on God based on some trivial thing. And I mean anything is more trivial than your soul. So whatever you've set up with your conditions with God, if you'll do this, God, I'll do that. Why don't you put those things aside and say, Lord Jesus, if you would die for me, if you would die for me, then whatever you want from me, I give it to you. Because if God's for us, then whatever your deal is, whatever your need is, if he would sacrifice his own son, he's going to take care of whatever need you have. And you can walk with him and know without doubt that he'll be with you. Isn't that incredible? That's a glorious conclusion. And man, I don't know a person that doesn't need it. I don't know anybody that doesn't need it. I know some people that have actually stood there and looked me in the eye and said, I don't need help from anybody. And either they're lying or they're dumb. And I'm not trying to be mean. What a foolish statement. What a foolish statement. Because one of these days, death is coming for us all. Amen? If God is for us, who will be against us? Well, the second question is, who will bring a charge against God's elect? That's a pretty great, great question. It's not hard to understand. I mean, you know, here we are. We're God's elect. That just means those that are believers in Jesus Christ and followers in Jesus Christ. And, and you know, I don't know about you, but I'm not perfect. If you've known me at all, you know I'm not perfect. Uh, seemingly every Sunday I say something foolish to show you that I'm not perfect. But we're all in the same boat together, right? So then we have this dilemma that we have to think through. Why? Why would God, right, continue to love us? Because there's some charges that could be leveled against us that are legit, aren't they? Even against God's elect, because we all fall short even after we're saved. And this picture that's given here is this, this picture, who will bring a charge against God's elect? And, and even if, you're, if you have insight, you can go, why wouldn't there be charges against me? But the picture is basically this. There are those that would bring accusations against us in front of God, right? They would bring charges against us in front of God. Matter of fact, Revelation 12, 10 and 11 gives us a pretty great insight. It says, then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ has, have come for the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down. He who accuses them before our God day and night. You know who they're talking about? They're talking about the devil. That's right. The one who rebelled against God. Who's he accusing in heaven? Us, right? And he's been thrown down. But the last part of that verse says, and they overcame him because of the blood of the lamb and because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life even when faced with death. And the truth of the matter is, is if you have any insight whatsoever into your own life, even as a follower of Christ, you go, how does this work, God? I love you, but I fall short. I want to serve you, but I don't serve you the way I want to all the time. Matter of fact, if you'd read Romans chapter 7, it says this. 
I do what I don't want to do. I don't do what I do want to do. What a wretched man am I. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And then he says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so here's this question. How do we stand clean even though we are accused? Listen to what it says, verse 33. God is the one who justifies. I mean, we could stop right there. God is the one who justifies. I love this. We don't have time to go through all this, but if you go back to Romans chapter 3, you'd, you'd find out that God is just and justifier of those who are in Christ Jesus. And the way he does that, how is he just in forgiving us? How is he just in making us clean? How is it possible that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus? Those are powerful thoughts. How is that possible? It's possible because of Christ. Right, the punishment that I deserve, the punishment that you deserve, was all put on him. The death that we deserve to die, he died for us. So he took all the punishment that had to be paid. It's not like sinners get off. Every sin that we commit is going to be held accountable to God. He's going to judge those sins. He's either going to judge them on us if we reject Christ, or Christ is going to stand in our place and he's going to take the judgment for us. But God's going to punish sin. But who's going to bring a charge against us when our sins have been paid for? The answer is nobody. Nobody. Because it's God who justifies. And don't you love what it says as it goes on? It says, who is the one who condemns? Who would be the one who condemns us before God? And then it says, Christ Jesus is he who died, yet rather who was raised, who was at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. One of the most amazing pictures in all of Scripture is Christ as our advocate, the one who would stand up on our behalf. And it says here, that when people make accusations, when people who would condemn us or even the devil would condemn us, the Bible says, nope, no, it's Christ. It's Christ. He's the one who died. He's the one who was raised. And it says, he's the one who intercedes for us. One of the most beautiful pictures for me personally in my walk with Christ is, is not my goodness, I'm telling you, uh, I really truly don't understand people that laud their own goodness. They're not looking at themselves. I mean, they might look in the mirror and they see something other than what's there. Because there's not a person that is pure and clean in comparison to the holiness of God. Not one. And not even daily. Not even daily. I mean, I use this example all the time. It, this must be one of my little falling points, I guess. But driving down 15th Street to go home every day, you know, when this big snow comes, you know, there's still a lane of traffic going through. You know, they clean those streets. You can get through those things. But there's always somebody driving like 15 miles an hour. How is that possible? Is your car broken? 
Does the accelerator not work? Is there a reason you don't have purpose in your life? What are you doing that you have that much time on your hand? I got somewhere to be. I mean, I'm not kidding. I try hard. I try really hard to be patient. But I keep thinking the whole time, just turn. Just turn. Surely you can go that way. You can go that way. Man, I can't even get over a five-minute drive home sometimes without sinning against God. I love it when they get in the turn line and I pull up next to them and they're about 90 years old. Sorry, ma'am. I'm a loser. Don't tell me how good you are. You might be better at patience than me, but you got your issue. I know it. You got your issue. Man, what's amazing to me is that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father interceding for me, the impatient jerk that I am. And so when I stand there before him as I enter into prayer and he's bringing to mind sinful attitudes, sinful hearts, sinful words, I'm guilty. It's plain as day. And all I can say is, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. And I'm coming today and asking you to stand on my behalf to advocate for me, to intercede for me. You're the one that makes me acceptable to God. You're it. I got nothing. And honestly, every single time I come to that place, I can stop and go, I love you, Lord. My whole mindset changes. I got nothing left to say to the Lord other than, Lord, I'm amazed that you would love me and that you would forgive me and that you would send Christ to make me acceptable to you. Hallelujah. These aren't small conclusions. These are glorious conclusions. Who's going to bring a charge against us? No one If we are in Christ Jesus and God is for us, no one's going to be against us. If we are in Christ Jesus and somebody wants to condemn us and tell us, look, you're a loser. Look, you can tell me I'm a loser because I am, but I have Christ and he forgave me and he forgave me completely. Hallelujah. Talk to him. If it weren't for him, I'd have no hope and neither would you. But he loves us, and that's powerful. Well, the final question, verse 35, who will separate us from the love of Christ? Man, that's a great question, isn't it? I mean, that is a great question. Because if we could be separated from Christ, we'd do it. Wouldn't you? This is yes. You have. You have. You see, the Bible says very clearly that the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So now, if we could be separated from Christ and we've sinned after Christ, then certainly we would separate ourselves from God. Isn't that right? 
And it's a big, it's a big question people want to know. Can you lose your salvation? Well, the Bible says no. But the Bible also says that we should admit we're sinners. Let me read some cool stuff to you. 1 John 1, 8 through 10 says, If we say that we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Now, that was written to believers. In other words, if you say you have no sin as a believer, you're a liar, and you make God a liar. That's pretty fair, and I think that's fair. I think that's true if you're honest with yourself. But the, the problem is then, can we lose our salvation? Listen to what it says here, because he answers in an interesting way. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? And then he says, will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? That's interesting because he doesn't say who. He says, will these trials separate us? Because a lot of times, if we trust Christ and then trials come, especially in America, because, man, we're weak, aren't we? Whiners. We actually believe that we should never have a trial. We actually believe that there should never be a hardship. We actually believe that if we know Jesus, that God should make everything easy in our life, right? Don't we believe that? This is yes. This is yes. First time I went to Bulgaria, I was preaching in this church. It was awesome. I'm fired up and excited, working through a translator for the first time. And throughout my whole sermon, they'd do this. I'm like, what is the deal, man? Is this guy saying what I'm saying or what am I saying? Do we know what we're saying? Finally, I get done with the sermon. I ask my translator, I said, man, why were they all disagreeing with me? He goes, no, that's yes. This is yes in Bulgaria. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Never been more paranoid in my life. So help me out here, man. This is yes. Right? This is yes. When we have trials, when we have tribulation, when we have struggles, we honestly believe that somehow God has lost us. He's given up on us. He's not there for us. But that's ridiculous. I mean, it's just ridiculous. There's not a person in this room that's not going to have some trials. There's not a person in this room that's not going to have some tribulation. Let me read scripture so you know that. In John 16, 33, Jesus said, These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation. Do you hear that? In the world, God's children have tribulation. But fear not, Jesus said, I've overcome the world. Then in 2 Timothy 3, 12, he says, Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Not might be, not could be, will be. So the Bible here says, man, what shall separate us? Who shall separate us? And then God begins to say, look, I want you to know that not tribulation, not hardship, not persecution, not famine, none of this stuff is going to separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. And don't you love what he says next? This is, this is crazy. Verse 36, just as it is written, for your sake we're being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. And most people read that and go, what is he talking about? Is he actually talking about his children being sent out like sheep 
for others to belittle or destroy or slaughter? Yes, actually, he is. He sends us into this world, he says in his word, like sheep among wolves. He sends us out as ambassadors for Christ. Do you think that the world really wants to hear about Jesus? Do you think so? Man, just start go telling people about Jesus. Just start using the name Jesus and find out how comfortable they are. They don't want to hear about Jesus. And yet, the fact that we would be persecuted in the name of Jesus should not cause us to wonder if God is with us. It's a testimony that God is in us and that God is with us. I don't know a soul on the planet that will teach about Jesus, talk about Jesus, witness for Jesus if Jesus isn't in us. They might persecute us, but who cares? If God is for us, what? Who will be against us? That's right, nobody. So let them come, let them do whatever. Let them take their life, let them take my life. Who cares? And and I'm not flipping about my life, but I'm not afraid to die. I'm not, you shouldn't be either if you know Christ. Death is nothing to me. The Bible says, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies, and he who dies will live even afterward, right? And I, I butchered that, I'm sorry. But anyway, it's close. You can't die, all right? You can't die because of Christ. He's the resurrection and the life. He's got us. Man, guys, I want you to hear me. Who will separate us? Will tribulation? No. Will distress? No. Will persecution or famine, nakedness? You know what nakedness means? It means you're so poor you can't clothe yourself. Will that separate you from the love of God? No. Will peril or sword? No. Because in verse 37 it says, but in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. There's this incredible truth that got us kind of strung through our Friday night that we talked about this week, this morning that we talked about earlier and today, that simple truth that's threaded all the way through the Bible, and it's this, it's this incredible, matchless, undeniable, overwhelming love of God, this love that God has for us. Man, I'm an overcomer. I overwhelmingly conquer. That means I have victory over all the things we just talked about because of him, who he is in my life. You know, there's some joyous things about getting older. There just are. There's just, I've talked about this a lot, this undeniable truth that you're just not what you used to be. You're not as strong. You're not as fast. You're not as smart. Because, man, did you think you were smart when you were younger? And you weren't. (laughs) So, you know now you're not that smart. There's some just an undeniable truths, and man, I, I love it today because you know every now and then you have somebody that wants to show you how tough they are, or show you how manipulative they can be, or they want to bow up and tell you they're going to be opposed to you, and it comes at different times and in interesting ways, and it just makes me laugh anymore. Because man, you're not going to get me, you're not going to touch me, you're not going to overcome me. 
I mean, I'm so stinking stubborn about Jesus. I'm so stubborn about Jesus. I'm like, go ahead, say what you want to, because I'm going to stand right here. Because the one that's behind me <laughs> is enormous. He's incredible. He's God. He's for me. So have me. You can beat me in the flesh. But I, I'm overwhelmingly going to conquer in Christ Jesus. I am not afraid. I've shared this before. We went to conference years ago. It was this missions conference in Minneapolis. There was a guy there. He'd been a missionary to the, to the Kurds over in Iraq. And it was a strange thing, man. Saddam Hussein was trying to kill all the Kurds. He was driving them up in the mountains, and he's literally killing them like genocide. And the U.S. government said to this guy, I know you have learned this language. We need somebody to go in. We're going to put tent cities up. We're going we're to register them. We need you to go in there. They actually flew him and his wife and two other couples in, dropped them off, and left. Right? At the knowledge that they could be killed. And this guy talked about how God used them to share the gospel among these Kurds and how many people got saved and all this cool stuff. And this guy was just talking about the dangers of it. And somewhere along the line, he just stops and goes, I want you to know, I'll care for you. I'll cry with you when you cry. Man, I'll hurt with you when you hurt. But I will not be afraid with you. <laughs> I'm like, what? Because, man... There's some things to be afraid of, right? Seemingly. Not when you know Jesus. Not when you know Jesus. Will he see me through physical suffering? Yes. Will he see me through broken hearts? Yes. Will loved ones of mine still die? Yes. Will he see me through that grief? Will I die? Will I die a miserable death? I don't know. Will I die a quick death? I don't know. Will he be with me? Will I overwhelmingly conquer through him who loves me? Yes. What do I need to be afraid of? Oh, by the way, it's not retirement either. I know I'm getting old now. Beth and I were somewhere the other day and some girl says to me, are you retired? Do I look old enough to be retired? I didn't ask. I didn't ask. I did not ask. But I wanted to, doggone it. Because I love it when people say, well, are you, are you going to retire? On what? <laughs> nope. I'm going to dig a ditch one of these days, I guess, because I don't know what else I'm going to do. I don't have money. Do I have to be afraid? No, I don't mean to make light of these things. I'm not making light of them. I have a savior. Do you understand? And then he finishes, and I love these verses. They are so good. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing, nothing. Die, gotcha. Live, gotcha. Angels, demons, gotcha. 
Nothing. Nothing. Not height nor depth. Which is crazy. Hate heights. Hate heights. Talk about something you're scared of. I'm scared of heights. I'm not, I'm not afraid to say that. Shimming around some mountain one time. Follow some guy elk hunting, you know, 200 feet down. I'm like, why are you doing this? That elk isn't worth it. He's got me. Depth. Went on a cruise with Beth one time. Middle of the ocean. <laughs> what is down there? I wasn't really scared. I wasn't, but you know, is there a whale under us? Is there sharks around? I mean, you know, you can't see anything. Nope. Gotcha. Man, nothing created will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Man, talk about a glorious conclusion. The conclusion about Jesus' death and burial and resurrection is this. God loves us. If God is for us, no one can be against us. People can make accusations against us, but they won't hold because Christ is our advocate. And there's not a power or a person or a trial or a heartache or a hardship or a need that can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Not one thing. You know, my conclusion is... If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're saved. Do you know what that means? You're saved. You're rescued. You're secured. You've been brought out of fire. You've been brought out of hell. You've been brought from death into life through Jesus Christ. If you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, he's the only way. He's the only one that paid for your sins. He's the only one that rose from the dead. He's the only way. And you can know him today. You see, the reason that there's joy in Christ is because there's life in Christ. Eternal life. Man, let's celebrate Christ today by turning to him, by trusting him, by giving him glory for what he's done. Let's walk into the future with hope and peace and joy because he's worthy. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We do love you. I love you. So thankful for what you've done in my life. So thankful for what you've done in so many people's lives here today. To see Everett, to see Juliana, to see Cody and Sam show that they're new, that they were buried with Christ and raised to walk in newness of life and to hear their testimonies, Lord. So powerful. And I pray, Lord, for the one that's here today, for the many that are here today, that they've never trusted you, Lord. They've never turned to you and said, save me, forgive me, make me your child, keep me. That they do that right now, that they wouldn't hold anything back from you. And Lord, I want to worship you. We want to worship you. You are good, and we love you. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Our pastors are going to be down front. If you've never trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior and you want to today, why don't you walk down these aisles and say to one of our pastors, I want to be saved today. Let us walk you through that. If you want to come down front and just share a testimony about what God's done in your life, why don't you do that? But let's respond to Christ. Let's stand. Let's sing.
much to celebrate about here this morning. Help the clouds of sin and sadness. Dark of God away. Giver of eternal gladness. He saves us. You are the one who saves. You are the one who saves. You are the one whose hands lift us from the grave. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you. We're so thankful you take all our sins away. So thankful you give us life. So thankful you love us. We ask you to bless each one. Lord, thanks for these men and women, these boys and girls. Thank you for them. Bless them, Lord God. Draw all of us closer to you day by day. Lord, we love you. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. 
listen, I didn't get to meet everybody today. I'd love to meet you. I'm going to stay right up here. If you want to meet me or want to have questions with me, come up and see me. I'd love to do that. <laughs> 